You're listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. You can hear the show live Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN and streaming at accesswdun.com. You can find all things Martha Zoller at marthazoller.com. Joining me right now is Tony Lyons, and it's great to talk to you, Tony. My friend AJ, who I've known forever, pitched you to me, and I thought the topic was so interesting related to uh, Dr. Fauci's resignation and what might have been the cause of that, that I thought we'd have you on. Welcome on this Tuesday after Labor Day. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. So, first of all, tell folks what you do and what your connection is to this Robert F. Kennedy book, junior book. Sure. So I'm the publisher of Skyhorse Publishing. We've been around this is our 16th year. We've published more than 10,000 books in 16 years. And uh, I'm the publisher of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s The Real Anthony Fauci. And we'll be, the, well, we'll be publishing his upcoming book, which is called The Wuhan Cover-Up. So, you know, work very closely on The Real Anthony Fauci with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And, you know, really respect the work that he did to uncover this just sort of insidious corruption that's overtaken the United States kind of medical community. And and this is such an incredibly detailed book. And it came out and it described this this 50 years of kind of collusion, of growing collusion between Dr. Fauci and other public health officials and big pharmaceutical companies such that it, it becomes clear when you read this book, you know, that, by the way, has 2,194 citations, that Dr. Fauci has essentially been working for pharmaceutical companies at the expense of public health so that so many people have suffered so that pharmaceutical companies can make more money. And so what I think happened with Dr. Fauci is that he, he used every bit of power he could muster and he enlisted people at every level of government. He enlisted people from nonprofits all around the world, from for-profit companies. He uh, had meetings and sort of worked with the, uh, other aspects of the government to pressure big tech companies. And he was able to have this sort of comprehensive response to anybody in the country who disagreed with him and specifically uh and and in an incredibly comprehensive fashion with robert f kennedy jr so when this book came out and this book by the way sold more than a million copies despite no review in any major newspaper being knocked down on all the bestseller lists we were not allowed to advertise for it in newspapers the new york times refused an ad for it uh, newspapers all around the country ran hit pieces against the author that coincided with publication. So it was this comprehensive program to keep people from reading the book, from keep you know to keep people from getting the information in this book, and to try to control what people read, what people think, what people do. And you know, so this has really been a terrible sort of blot in the history of this country in, in constitutional rights and in, you know, being able to get information that is accurate and, you know, also to be able to sort of have a real dialogue in this country 
where we've prided ourselves on our constitutional rights. And, and we've gone after the, the Russians and the Chinese for keeping people down, for, for feeding them fake stories. But it's happened here in a more comprehensive fashion than I believe it's ever happened in the history of mankind, where you have stories that disappear instantly from any platform, uh, you know, any platform. I mean, thousands and thousands of different places. So it's a really scary period. But I think Dr. Fauci, you know, used all of these methods and they didn't work. And the American people can't be kept down. And the American people fought back. And now there are more and more platforms and more and more people are reading Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book. But they're also reading hundreds and hundreds of other books and articles. And they're hearing from all of these other people on places like Substack. And they're seeing videos on places like BitChute that they couldn't see before. So Fauci's failed, and he realizes that his time is up. And he's, he's got to be really afraid of, of this new book. And this new book, the Wuhan cover-ups, is really the book that's going to land Dr. Fauci in prison. And I think that he knows that. And I think that he thinks that by disappearing now, by giving notice that he's going, that, that maybe people will kind of let him off the hook and move on. But that really can't happen because we, we have to be sure that this kind of thing can't happen ever again in the history, in the future of this country. You know, I um, uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, I, uh, my husband, who was in medical school um, from 1980 to 1984, and then after that did his residency, had remembered that there was controversy around Dr. Fauci back then uh, as it related to his handling of, of AIDS. And, the, and it was, you know, that was sort of buried also. Um, but, you know, uh, and also Robert Kennedy Jr., who, you know, has been a very uh, a person that's been on the front lines of talking about vaccines. And he certainly has liberal credentials. I mean, he's the son of Robert F. Kennedy, uh, who many of us are old enough to remember uh, the work that he did, but also the tragic way that he died. And and then, of course, um, uh, Robert Kennedy can't do a lot of interviews these days, correct, because he's got a, a condition where he doesn't speak very well. And he's got some issues going on there. But he has been a very, and I don't want to use the word vocal, but really vocal person on all of these issues, not just starting with COVID. He's been talking with these about these kind of vaccine issues for a long time. Sure. I mean, he's been fighting government corruption and pharmaceutical company kind of greed uh, and trying to protect people from all of these different companies and, and all of these different sort of processes uh, that are tearing down the fabric of this country, not just public health, but our constitutional rights. And he's been doing that now for many, many years. I mean, he was the Time Magazine Environmental Man of the Year in 2010. He's brought hundreds and hundreds of lawsuits against big companies of, of all kinds who were trying to destroy the environment, who are harming public health, who are, you know, selling products like uh, uh, Roundup that has glyphosate in it from Monsanto, that uh, where they have been uh, found liable for selling a product that, that causes cancer in, in thousands and thousands of people. So he's been on the front lines of fighting corruption and greed in this country, you know, for most of his adult life. 
So he has really good credentials there. And, you know, unlike Dr. Fauci and, and many others, he isn't doing it for the money. There's nothing in it for him. This only hurts him personally. He loses friends. He suffers the wrath of these incredibly powerful companies that control newspapers and media outlets that then run hit pieces against him. So, you know, he definitely is a fighter for justice and, you know, has become somewhat of a, of a folk hero in, you know, sacrificing anything that would sort of help him uh, in his desire and his search to protect the American public. Yeah, I think it's it's a pretty impressive view of of what we're seeing. And and I, I just think, you know, and I'm not making light of this at all. But Dr. Fauci is, what, 81 years old? I think he retired from yeah, government like once that. and then he came back because he was just so needed that you had to come back. I, and you think about we've got a president that's about to turn 80. We've got people that are thinking about running next time that are in their late 70s and 80s. We've got Fauci's in his 80s. All the two and three number people in many of the parties are in their 80s. It's time for these people to go. It is time for them to move on and, you know, to use a phrase that that Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s uncle said to pass the torch to a new generation. And Lord, I'm 63, so so I know I'm approaching that age, but I at least can still listen to new ideas and learn new things, and I am not so set in my opinions, even though I'm an opinionated person, that I can't learn something new. And if you get to the point where you're entanglements are so great that you are doing things that are hurting people for the money it it's got to be exposed sure i mean that's a great argument for term limits you know that you have to have people in power who don't have these incredible financial entanglements and you know that don't owe favors to all kinds of people but i think that you know one of the really insidious things that's happened in the last couple of years is this whole sense of of misinformation and and so many people who claim to be fighting it have no idea what it is don't even have a real definition for it and so if you look at some of the big tech platforms they define medical misinformation is anything that contradicts uh mainstream medical opinions or uh, some of them define it as anything that contradicts public health officials so if you have public health officials who then can uh, wage these in, incredibly powerful programs to stifle any kind of dissent, then, of course, there's not going to be any dissent. Then, of course, it's going to look like there's medical consensus. But it's this manufactured consensus. So something that you get from Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, and his upcoming book, The Wuhan Cover-Up, is you, you get the, the whole picture of what's happened, of, of how this apparatus was built over the last 50 years and how it became so incredibly powerful and, and how these public and private partnerships then make it so hard for somebody to voice their opinion and to have any shot at that opinion, even if it's actually going to save people's lives from becoming consensus. We're because talking- often there's not enough money to be made on it. We're talking to Tony Lyons and about the book, um, you know, The Real Dr. Fauci, um, that was written by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And the book that's coming out is called The Wuhan, what's the cover up? Cover up. And look, 
what I think is important, and you use that word consensus, and this is what gets my back up a little bit, okay, because I come from a household of a bunch of scientists. I am a journalist, which they look down upon, but I have a bunch of scientists in my household, and they always say that not that there can't be consensus in science, but science should never be governed by consensus because you should always be asking questions. You should always be looking for the data. You should always be trying to verify the data that 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 the whole idea around science is that you're discovering new things all the time and that when you get complacent and start talking about consensus, then you're actually letting science down. Sure. I mean, science clearly is not about consensus. Science is about dialogue. It, it's, it's about people questioning and sort of riding on each other's shoulders and trying to get to better answers, better ideas. So, you know, there's a doctor who I've become close friends with who's, you know, a, a fairly prominent guy who says that almost everything that he believed and that he was taught in medical school 50 years ago has turned out not to be true or has turned out to be only partially true. So, you know, anybody who believes in medicine and believes in science recognizes that science is a process. It's not something that you can believe in. You can believe in the process of science. You can believe in the search that represents science. So the idea that, you know, so there's this this uh, pamphlet put out by the, uh, U.S. Surgeon General in the fall of 21, and it's called Confronting Health Misinformation. And in it, it has no definition of what misinformation really is. It just accepts certain hard and fast principles, and then it has, you know, something like 20 pages of the steps that they're going to take, of all the different resources that they're going to muster to make sure that nobody can hear anything else than what they've decided is the truth. And that has nothing to do with science. And that's what you learn from reading Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book. And, you know, part of that, um, part of that book is it's introducing this, this new process of how books are published in that they're QR codes all the way through the book so that it, it recognizes that, you know, the, the information that this book is based on is constantly changing, that there's constantly new research coming out. So with these QR codes, you can go to a website that will tell you what the new peer-reviewed studies show or what the new data shows or new graphs that have come out showing, you know, what's really happening in the real world. So, you know, that I think is really fascinating is that there are all of these people, you know, like Mr. Kennedy, but doctors and scientists all around the world who are actually looking at new data constantly versus this this system that's been set up to to decide what the truth is and make sure nobody else can voice any other opinion and that that can't be good can't be good for people it's not good for science it's incredibly anti-democratic it's anti-american and it's something that we should be ashamed of as a as a country for, for what's happened to so many hardworking and well-meaning people who've been sort of censored, uh, maligned, deplatformed. Um, but, but I think we can come back, and, and part of that reconciliation is going to be to have a really full investigation into what happened. 
Tony Lyons from Skyhorse Publishing on the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's where North Georgia comes to talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. It is the Martha Zoller Show, and I want to just continue for a minute about this California discussion. And you can join us on the phones at 770-535-2911. You remember when they had the cold wave in uh, Texas? And we pointed out that while it was very cold in Texas last year when they had that cold wave, it was not the coldest it had ever been. And the coldest it had ever been had been in the 1920s and 30s. Okay? So they're talking today and wringing their hands about temperatures in California. As you know, most of California are the southern part of California without water being irrigated into the Los Angeles area would be a desert. Okay. And the hottest place on earth, as well as the hottest place in California, is Death Valley. Okay. Death Valley recorded the hottest temperature ever on earth, as well as ever, was 134 degrees on July 10th, 1913. Okay. So, Caleb, listen to me here on this. Hottest degree ever recorded. In the world, happened to be in California, 1913, July 10th, 134 degrees. Okay, everybody's been wringing their hands about temperature, and it's the hottest ever. I compared the records in California, and I went to Death... I didn't go to Death Valley. I looked at Death Valley. Death Valley hit a record. This is what they're calling a record, 126 degrees. Now, that's really, really hot, okay? But that's 126 degrees in 2021. In 1913, it was 134 degrees. No air conditioning. People didn't have, you know, nobody lives in Death Valley. They don't need air conditioning. But the point I'm making is they make these assertions that it's the hottest it's ever been. It's not the hottest it's ever been, number one. And number two, it was actually close to 10 degrees hotter 100 years ago in the same place, Death Valley, the hottest place in the country and the world. So what you're saying is it's not that impressive. It's not that impressive. What I'm saying is these things run in cycles. And if you look at the temperatures, what I would challenge you to do, and I'm working on this so you don't really have to, but you can if you want to. And this in the next couple of days, I'm going to have this ready for you. But there are there are these winds that come through California every t- every year at this time, end of August through about the end of September. I don't think they're the Santa Ana winds, but it's some kind of winds that come through and they rise the temperature up. It is not uncommon for it to be hot in California, hotter than the rest of the country in September. Their summer actually comes a little later than the rest and they have more moderate temperatures actually throughout the year california does that's why people love california because it's pretty great weather all throughout the year um but the but the whole point i'm making is you really have to dig when you have a lot of news people now i maybe this is the hottest in death valley in this century i think that may be true 126 degrees but it was 134 degrees in 1913 also, when we break temperature records, many times you got to look at what record are they breaking. Many times they are breaking records from the 1930s. 
the 1930s, remember the Dust Bowl? You studied about it in high school. People had to leave the Midwest because it was literally parched. Nothing would grow there. And that's where the big migration out of the Midwest to the West Coast and the East Coast happened. That Grapes of Wrath, we all read that in high school. Okay, you've got to look at the whole thing. Don't just believe it in face value that it's the hottest it's ever been. Maybe it's the hottest in the last 20 years. Maybe it's the hottest in your memory. But if a record is broken, that record is broken from some date and time in the past. So that means at some date and time in the past, it was as hot as it was yesterday or the day before or whenever the record was broken. That's the whole point I'm making. And I make these climate change religionists go crazy when I point this out. I don't deny that the climate is changing. I don't deny that the country, that the, that the world may be getting warmer. But also, when the dinosaurs were here, most of the world was tropical. And I know there's some of you out there that are 6,000-year people, and you don't believe that the dinosaurs actually existed. I get that. Okay? But if you believe that dinosaurs existed, and I do, there was mostly tropical when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Okay, mostly tropical. Then what they believe happened, and again, this is all theory because we don't know. No one was there. No one's alive now. They weren't keeping records. What they believe happened is an asteroid hit the planet. It caused so much dust to go up into the atmosphere that it made it cold because the sun couldn't get through, and we had what was called the first ice age. That lasted for however many years it lasted. Then... We got warmer, again, climate warming, and we got to see Greenland and Europe and all of these kind of things. Then in the 1500s, we had what was called the mini ice age. Go back and look at all of these paintings that were done from the 1500s, okay? Everybody looks like they're dressed like winter all the time. You know why? Because it was winter about nine months of the year in the 14 and 1500s. We have these weather cycles about every 500 years. That's why nobody remembers them, right? Because nobody's around that was alive 500 years ago. I did an interview with a Harvard physicist and astrophysicist about 20 years ago. And what was so funny about it is as she was doing the interview with me, she started to get afraid that people that she worked with were going to hear it. And she started to, like, back away from what she was saying. And then off the air when we were talking, she goes, if my colleagues knew I was saying that this was cyclical, I could lose my job. This was 20 years ago. The problem we have with climate science, the problem we have with science about pandemics, the problem we have is the federal government controls the dollars for research. And if you don't follow their agenda, you don't get the money. And so, for example, if somebody wanted to do an open study on climate, but their, but their conclusion, their foregone conclusion was not going to be that the world is about to burn up, they couldn't get the money. So what's happening is the money is directing where the science is going. My my view is, and you can disagree with me at 770-535-2911, my view is you should go where the science leads you. 
and that you should always be learning new things if you are truly scientific about things. And the questions that I've asked about the cycles of weather are not because I'm a climate denier or I'm a global warming denier. It's because if you can't ask questions, then are you really free? You ought to be able to ask questions and not have people accuse you of, of being anti-science. We've got to get back to where we can be curious. You know, even Meghan Markle said it the other day. We need to be curious and not accusing. And you know I never say anything nice about her. We'll be back. It's local radio, and that's why you're listening. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Herschel Walker, welcome back to the Martha Zoller Show. Hello there. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So tell us about your bus tour. Well, we're kicking off our bus tour because we want to get out and continue to meet the people. Uh, one of the things we decided we were going to do when I first got in this race, we're going to get out and meet the people, the voters, and let them know what I stand for. But there's a difference between Senator Warnock and myself, where I believe in supporting our men and women in blue. He seems to want to call them names. And we want to show the differences, and that's what we're doing with the bus tour, getting out, doing a lot of rallies, and we're getting ready to kick it off, and so we're looking forward to it. So um, the audio that we played coming into this segment uh, was your explanation of the more recent ad that Senator Warnock did that included your uh, former wife, Cindy. And I wanted to give you an opportunity because I was really offended by the way he used that video because you all, you and Cindy sat down and did that interview of your own free will on, I think it was 2020, back a number of years ago. Uh, and the way he cut up that interview made it look very different than what the actual interview looked like. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, that interview was done to help people. Uh, Cindy and I, you know, we're the best of friends now. And Reverend Warnock doesn't believe in redemption. He don't believe in forgiveness. That's not something that he believes in being a minister, and that's what's sad. Right now, sending out the best, and we've uh, we've gone forward. We've become the best of friends. I love her to death, and she's still like a family member to me. And it's sad that Reverend Warnock would do that because he can't win on the issues that he got now before the people. The issues of this economy and the issue of crime and, uh, you know, the things that he said in the poll pit. And I said it early on, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. So he's taken uh, something like this and made something bad about it. But I want everyone out there to know, if you've suffered through any type of mental illness, you can seek help, and people can help you to be better. But if you continue to have people like Reverend One Not in office, we're never going to see anyone that can get better because they don't believe in that. They believe in trying to control you, and that's one of the things that I don't believe in. We're good people, and we can uh, we can overcome. Now, the book was called Breaking Free, and you wrote it, I think, in 2009. And you tell the story about how you came to understand about mental illness and what you did to redeem yourself. Is there anything more you want to say about that? Well, I'm always going to be a champion for mental health because I know uh, that you know most families in, in America, they may have someone or know someone that is suffering from a mental illness. People have hidden in the closet because they was afraid because people have demonized uh, mental health for years. Well, I want to be a champion and let people know that you can get help, that there are people out there that can help you. That's the reason I work with our military, which they've tried to demonize that as well, because they cannot win on the issues. 
they can't win on the issue, so they're going to continue to to tell lies about their opponent. That's what is so sad about uh, uh, Senator Warnock. You know, he's supposed not to bear false witness. That is one of the Ten Commandments that he doesn't go by. So that's the reason I called him a wolf in sheep's clothing, because he's going to continue to do those things because he cannot win on the issue. So he's got to do whatever tricks he can to trick the people to get a vote. Right now, I've been very transparent, and I will always be transparent because I represent the people of Georgia, and I would always represent the people of Georgia. Well, he's seen to represent the people in Washington, D.C. He's seen to represent Joe Biden. So he's going to lie and do whatever he can to try to keep that seat. But this seat belongs to the people of Georgia, and it is time for him to give that seat up, and that seat belongs to Herschel Walker for the people of Georgia. So there's a lot of issues out there that people are concerned about. As you're traveling around the state, what are the number one issues that people are talking to you about? Because I know you've spent a lot of time listening to folks as you've gone around. What are you hearing from them? Well, the concern people are talking about is this economy. Right now, they afford groceries. They afford your, you know, your house payment. Now, you got to pay house payment. You got to pay your utility bills. And then crime. Crime is going absolutely out. You know, right now in Atlanta, homicide is up over 40%. And then you talk about, and people may not know this, rape in Atlanta is up over 200%. We have crime. We have, uh, and Reverend Warnock voted for that. People are concerned about, he voted. Now, listen to me. He voted to put men in women's sports. He voted for that. Reverend Warnock voted for things like that. And right now, he can't win on those issues, so he's going to continue to talk about everything else. Well, right now, I have shown that I can overcome. I've shown that I can get up off my knees and start working for the people because I've done that. I created jobs. I built a company. I created jobs. I know how to budget. I know about things like that. I've done that. He's never done that. And what he's done right now is shown the people that you can't trust him because he's hidden everything. You know, he's hidden everything about himself. And right now, let's not talk about his fault. We're going to talk about what he's done as a senator. As a senator, he, not, he has not done a good job. So if you, if you look on social media, which I know is not the real world, but you've got Reverend Warnock talking about these three debates that he's accepted and that you have not accepted. And you have approached him about a debate that you want to do with him. So what is the status on voters being able to see the two of you all talk about issues together? Well, one of the things, Reverend Warnock, if you follow social media, Reverend Warnock this morning, that he would do a debate with uh, my debate in Savannah, Georgia, on October the 14th. So I want the people to continue to push him because he said do the debate October the 14th. And he don't, and I say it ain't, it ain't, we don't have to know what the issues are. The issue was to help him because he cannot win on the issues. I don't know how he can win on the issues, and he know that. But he wanted to do everything to pretend I never wanted to do a debate. I've been calling him out to do a debate. He said he would do a debate in front of the people, a fair and equitable debate that'll be that'll be broadcast statewide. If you follow his Twitter account, he said that he would do it. So we need to hold him to it so the people can see the contracts. I believe in the men and women in blue. He called them names. I believe in our United States military. He said you can't serve military and God at the same time. He voted to put men and women in sports. I don't believe that men should be in women's sports. There's a big contrast between the two of us, and I think the people need to see it. And come October the 14th, I think they'll get an opportunity to see it, that he is not the man that they put in that seat. And they're going to see that now. They're going to see the guy that needed to be in that seat is Herschel Walker. And that's the reason that he now decided to do this debate because they've spent, now listen to me, they've spent over 50-something million dollars against me. 
in the race is either tied or I'm up one or he's up one. So the people of Georgia are saying it's time that they want to change. And he hasn't done the job he promised he was going to do when he got elected, and he hasn't done that job. One of the biggest responsibilities that you have in the Senate that um, is only in the Senate has to do with um, foreign policy type issues. And we have big things happening in both Ukraine and possibility of things with China related to Taiwan. I mean, how are you training yourself up at this point in time so that you're knowledgeable about all of the issues that you're going to have to come in contact with when you're elected to the United States Senate? Well, that's what people uh, continue to talk about, Martha. And I think this is what people don't realize. Before anyone else got elected, they had people that worked with them. And I've been working with people talking to me about foreign policy. They're talking to me about those issues. So I would get up to speed on those issues. And right now, I say I want to worry about those issues because that's very, very important. But it's important also because it's a security, it's a national security problem. It's a national security problem. This economy is a national security problem. And we got to worry about that. We need to worry about Ukraine. You know, we need to worry about bullies out there that are doing that like uh, that Putin is doing. Those are things we have to worry about. And I'm just like anyone else. You get people, you work with people that's got the, the expertise on that, and they train you to be prepared for it. And that's what I've been doing since I got since I won the uh, primary. I've been preparing myself that I will represent the people to the best of my ability, and they know that. And uh, later on this month, I'm going to be attending a Radio Row in Washington, D.C. that's going to be focused completely on immigration. But it's an issue that we talk about every day just about here on the Martha Zoller Show. So tell us a little bit about your concerns related to what the status of, of illegal immigration is today. And then what do we need to do to fix our immigration system? Well, first of all, there's a difference between legal and illegal immigration. Right now we have illegal immigration because we've got the border that is wide open. Even though we have the White House continue to say, and Reverend Warnock continue to say, no, the border is not wide open, the border is wide open. People are coming across the border. We have no idea who they are. And I believe in legal immigration. But first thing you have to do first, when you have a leak in the apartment below you, you have to fix the leak that comes from the, that store in the leak from the top. Well, right now, there's, uh, there's laws on the books that we got to support our border patrol. We need to support them. And the way you can do it is why are we worrying about 87,000 IRS agents rather than putting money in our border patrol to help them to stop the uh, illegal immigration that's going on. We have to have legal immigration, and we have that. But we've had people in Washington that now decided to make it illegal that we're having people to come across the border. They're bringing fentanyl that's killing, fentanyl is killing more people than, than this pandemic did. And yet we're, we seem to not want to address it. Most of the people on the left do not want to address this, and it's, it's in their hands. They're the one right now that's responsible for this because they're doing nothing to address it. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more that we've got a lot of issues we need to handle. And it's funny, recently I was re-listening to the inaugural speech of President John F. Kennedy, and he talked about developing our own hemisphere, you know, making sure that we keep our own hemisphere safe and strong. Not that he was going to not take care of anything else, 
But, of course, he didn't live long enough to to be able to finish that up. But I think it's worth looking at again. We need to make sure our own hemisphere is secure. Not that we ignore the rest of the world because there are important things happening. But we need to make sure our own backyard is safe before we worry about everybody else. Well, Martha, one of the things uh, people need to realize, when America lead, the whole world does well. Right now, we're not the leaders. I think what happened in Afghanistan showed weakness that we have this weakness. We have a weak president. We have people that don't want to hold him accountable. Reverend not do not want to hold President Biden accountable for what happened in Afghanistan. That shows weakness. But when America leads, and what I mean by that is we gave up our energy. We're looking for uh, enemies to do our energy for us. We gave it up. Well, we have to get back to being leader. We have to get back to being being sure of ourselves of what we're doing. Absolutely. Not worry about Absolutely. And when we're doing that, we're doing a good job because we have everything we have right here in the United States of America. Absolutely. We have right here. Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker, thank you so much for being with us today. I know you can go to teamherschel.com and be a part of everything that's happening there. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, thank you, and God bless. To hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller.